Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 95. We'll continue reading in the stories of David. He's just become king. And we'll read about the stories of the Apostle Paul as well and his continued journey. But through it all, what we're going to see today is this contrast between war and peace, recognizing that War and peace are things that are outside of ourselves, but also can be within. So let's look at these stories and see how they teach us about war and peace, within and without. 2 Samuel chapter 3 However, the war was prolonged between the house of Saul and the house of David. David was becoming steadily stronger, while the house of Saul was becoming increasingly weaker. Now sons were born to David in Hebron. His first was Abnon, born to Ahinoam, the Jezreelite. His second son was Kiliab, born to Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. His third son was Absalom, the son of Makkah, daughter of King Talmai of Geshur. His fourth son was Adonijah, the son of Haggith. The fifth was Shephatiah, the son of Abital. His sixth son was Ethriam, born to David's wife Eglah. These were the sons all born to David in Hebron. As the war continued between the house of Saul and the house of David, Abner was becoming more influential in the house of Saul. Now Saul had a concubine named Rispah, daughter of Aiah. Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why did you sleep with my father's concubine? These words of Ishbosheth really angered Abner, and he said, Am I the head of a dog that belongs to Judah? This very day I am demonstrating loyalty to the house of Saul, your father, and to his relatives and his friends. I have not betrayed you into the hand of David, yet you have accused me of sinning with this woman today? God will severely judge Abner if I do not do for David exactly what the Lord promised him, namely to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and to establish the throne of David over Israel and over Judah all the way from Dan to Beersheba. Ishbosheth was unable to answer Abner with even a single word because he was afraid of him. Then Abner sent messengers to David, saying, To whom does the land belong? Make an agreement with me, and I will do whatever I can to cause all Israel to turn to you. So David said, Good, I will make an agreement with you. I ask only one thing from you. You will not see my face unless you bring Saul's daughter, Michael, when you come to visit me. David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, son of Saul, with this demand Give me my wife, Michael, whom I acquired for one hundred Philistine foreskins. So Ishbosheth took her from the house of Paltiel, son of Laish. Her husband went along behind her weeping all the way to Bahurim. Finally, Abner said to him, Go back. So he returned home. Abner advised the elders of Israel, saying, Previously you were wanting David to be your king. Act now, for the Lord has said to David, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the Philistines and from all their enemies. Then Abner spoke privately with the Benjaminites. Abner also went to Hebron to inform David privately of all that Israel and the entire house of Benjamin had agreed to. When Abner, accompanied by twenty men, came to David in Hebron, David prepared a banquet for Abner and the men who were with him. Abner said to David, 
Let me leave so that I may go and gather all Israel to my lord the king so that they may make an agreement with you. Then you will rule over all that you desire. So David sent Abner away and he left in peace. Now David's soldiers and Job were coming back from a raid, bringing a great deal of plunder with them. Abner was no longer with David in Hebron, for David had sent him away and he had left in peace. Now, when Job and all the army that was with him arrived, Job was told, Abner the son of Ner came to the king. He sent him away and he left in peace. So Job went to the king and said, What have you done? Abner has come to you. Why would you send him away? Now he's gone on his way. You know Abner the son of Ner. Surely he came here to spy on you and to determine when you leave and when you return and discover everything that you are doing. Then Job left David and sent messengers after Abner. They brought him back from the well at Sarah, but David was not aware of it. When Abner returned to Hebron, Job took him aside at the gate as if to speak privately to him. Job then stabbed him in the abdomen and killed him, avenging the shed blood of his brother Ahazel. When David later heard about this, he said, I and my kingdom are forever innocent before the Lord of the shed blood of Abner son of Ner. May his blood whirl over the head of Job and the entire house of his father. May the males of Job's house never cease to have someone with a running sore or skin disease or one who works at the spindle or who falls by the sword or one who lacks food. So Job and his brother Abishai killed Abner because he had killed their brother Asahel in Gibeon during the battle. David instructed Job and all the people who were with him, Tear your clothes, put on sackcloth, lament before Abner. Now King David followed behind the funeral pallet. So they buried Abner in Hebron. The king cried loudly over Abner's grave, and all the people wept too. The king chanted the following lament for Abner. Should Abner have died like a fool? Your hands were not bound, and your feet were not put in irons. You fell the way one falls before criminals. All the people wept over him again. Then all the people came and encouraged David to eat food and while, while it was still day. But David took an oath, saying, God will punish me severely if I taste bread or anything whatsoever before the sun sets. All the people noticed this, and it pleased them. In fact, everything the king did pleased all the people. All the people and all Israel realized on that day that the killing of Abner, son of Ner, was not done at the king's instigation. Then the king said to his servants, Do you not realize that a great leader has fallen this day in Israel? Today I am weak, even though I am anointed as king. These men, the sons of Zariah, are too much for me to bear. May the Lord punish appropriately the one who has done this evil. When Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, heard that Abner had died in Ebron, he was very disheartened, and all Israel was afraid. Now Saul's son had two men who were in charge of raiding units. One was named Bana and the other Rechab. These were the sons of Rimnon, the Beriothite who was a Benjaminite. Beeroth is regarded as belonging to Benjamin, for the Beerothites fled to Gitaim and have remained there as resident foreigners until the present time. Now Saul's son Jonathan had a son who, had crippled, who was crippled in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan arrived from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, but in her haste to get away she fell and he was injured. Mephibosheth was his name. Now the sons of Rinnon, the Beerothite, Rechab and Banan, went at the hottest part of the day to the home of Ishbosheth as he was enjoying his midday rest. They entered the house under the pretense of getting wheat and mortally wounded him in the stomach. Then Rechab and his brother Bana escaped. They had entered the house while Ishbosheth was resting on his bed in his bedroom. They mortally wounded him and then cut off his head. Taking his head, they traveled on the way to the Rift Valley all that night. 
they brought the head of Ishbosheth to David in Hebron, saying to the king, Look, the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy who sought your life. The Lord has granted vengeance to my lord, the king, this day against Saul and his descendants. David replied to Rechab and his brother Bana, the sons of Rimnon the Beerothite, As surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered my life from all adversity, when someone told me that Saul was dead, even though he thought he was bringing good news, I seized him and killed him at Ziklag. That was the good news I gave to him. Surely when wicked men have killed an innocent man as he slept in his own house, should I not now require his blood from your hands and remove you from the earth? So David issued orders to the soldiers, and they put them to death. Then they cut off their hands and feet and hung them near the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the tomb of Abner in Hebron. All the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron, saying, Look, we are your very flesh and blood. In the past, when Saul was our king, you were the real leader in Israel. The Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people Israel. You will rule over Israel. When all the leaders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, King David made an agreement with them in Hebron before the Lord. They designated David as king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah for seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem, he reigned for 33 years over all Israel and Judah. Then the king and his men advanced to Jerusalem against the Jebusites who lived in the land. The Jebusites said to David, You cannot invade this place. Even the blind and the lame will turn you back, saying, David cannot invade this place. But David captured the fortress of Zion, that is, the city of David. David said on that day, Whoever attacks the Jebusites must approach the lame and the blind, who are David's enemies, by going through the water tunnel. For this reason, it is said, the blind and the lame cannot enter the palace. So David lived in the fortress and called it the city of David. David built all around it, from the terrace inwards. David's power grew steadily, for the Lord, the God of heaven's armies, was with him. King Hiram of Tyre sent messengers to David, along with cedar logs, carpenters, and stonemasons. They built a palace for David. David realized that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and that he had elevated his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. David married more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he arrived from Hebron. Even more sons and daughters were born to David. These are the names of the children born to him in Jerusalem. Shamua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Eliadad, and Eliphelet. When the Philistines heard that David had been designated king over Israel, they went up to search for David. When David heard about it, he went down to the fortress. Now the Philistines had arrived and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David asked the Lord, Should I march up against the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord said to David, March up, for I will indeed hand the Philistines over to you. So David marched against Baal-perazim and defeated them there. Then he said, The Lord has burst out against my enemies like water bursts out. So he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men picked them up. The Philistines again came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David asked of the Lord what he should do. This time the Lord said to him, Don't march straight up. Instead, circle around behind them and come against them opposite the trees. When you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the trees, act decisively. For at that moment, the Lord is going before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. So David did just as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines from Gibeon all the way to Gezer.
And now we'll continue the uh, parallel story from 1 Chronicles 12. These were the men who joined David in Ziklag when they, he was banished from the presence of Saul, son of Kish. They were among the warriors who assisted him in battle. They were armed with bows and could shoot arrows or sling stones right or left-handed. They were fellow tribesmen of Saul from Benjamin. These were Behezer, the leader, and Joash, the sons of Shimei, the Gibeathite, Jeziel and Palat, the sons of Asmapheth, Barakah, Jehu, the Anathite, Ishmaiah, the Gibeonite, one of the thirty warriors and their leader, Jeremiah, Jaziel, Jonanan, Josabad, and Gedarathite, Israel, Jeremoth, Belial, Shemariah, Shephlatiah, and Haraphite, Elkanah, Ishai, Asarel, Joizer, and Jashabim, were who were Korathites, and Joliah and Zebedah, the sons of Jehoiah from Gidor. Some of the Gadites joined David at the stronghold in the wilderness. They were warriors who were trained for battle. They carried shields and spears. They were as fierce as lions and could run as quickly as gazelles across the hills. Ezer was the leader. Obadiah was the second in command. Eliab the third, Mishmana the fourth, Jeremiah the fifth, Atai the sixth, Elial the seventh, Jonanan the eighth, Elzabad the ninth, Jeremiah the tenth, Machbanai the eleventh. These Gadites were military leaders. The the least led a hundred men, the greatest a thousand. They crossed the Jordan River in the first month when it was overflowing its banks and routed those living in the valleys to the east and the west. Some from Benjamin and Judah also came to David's stronghold. David went out to meet them and said, If you come to me in peace and want to help me, then I will make an alliance with you. But if you come to betray me to my enemies when I have not harmed you, may the God of our ancestors take notice and judge. But a spirit-empowered Amasai the leader of the group of warriors known as the Thirty, and he said, We are yours, O David. We support you, O son of Jesse. May you greatly prosper. May those who help you prosper. Indeed, your God helps you. So David accepted them and made them leaders of raiding bands. Some men from Manasseh joined David when he was with the Philistines to fight against Saul. But in the end, they did not help the Philistines because, after taking counsel, the Philistine lord sent David away, saying, It would be disastrous for us if he deserts to his master Saul. When David went to Ziklag, the men of Manasseh who joined him there were Adnak, Josabad, Jadiel, Michael, Josabad, Elihu, and Zilathai, leaders of 1,000 soldiers each in the tribe of Manasseh. They helped David fight against the raiding bands, for all of them were warriors and leaders in the army. Each day, men came to help David until his army became very large. The following is the record of the armed warriors who came with their leaders and David and joined David in Hebron in order to make David king in Saul's place, in accordance with the Lord's decree. From Judah came 6,800 trained warriors carrying shields and spears. From Simeon were 7,100 warriors. From Levi were 4,600. Joiada, the leader of Aaron's descendants, brought 3,700 men with him. All with Zadok, a young warrior, and 22 leaders from his family. From Benjamin, Saul's tribe, there were 3,000, most of whom up to that time had been loyal to Saul. From Ephraim were 20,800 warriors who had brought fame to their families. From the half-tribe of Manasseh were 18,000 who had been designated by name to come and make David king. From Issachar were 200 leaders and all their relatives at their command. They understood the times and knew what Israel should do. From Zebulun there were 50,000 warriors who were prepared for battle, equipped with all kinds of weapons and ready to give their undivided loyalty. From Naphtali, there were 1,000 officers, along with 37,000 men carrying shields and spears. 
From Dan, there were 28,600 men prepared for battle. From Asher, there were 40,000 warriors prepared for battle. From the other side of the Jordan, from Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, there were 120,000 men armed with all kinds of weapons. All these men were warriors who were ready to march. They came to Hebron to make David king over all Israel by acclamation. All the rest of the Israelites also were in agreement that David should become king. They spent three days feasting with David, for their relatives had given them provisions. Also, their neighbors from as far away as Issachar, Zebulun, and Naphtali were bringing food on donkeys, camels, mules, and oxen. There were large supplies of flour, fig cakes, raisins, wine, olive oil, beef, and lamb, for Israel was celebrating. And there you have this contrast between the war going on, the civil war that thankfully was ended, and now this peace that has come and is celebrated as the whole country has come behind David as their king. And now we read Psalm 122, which is a psalm celebrating the peace of God written by David. Psalm 122, a song of ascents by David. I was glad because they said to me, we will go to the Lord's temple. Our feet are standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a city designed to accommodate an assembly. The tribes go up there, the tribes of the Lord, where it is required that Israel give thanks to the name of the Lord. Indeed, the leaders sit there on thrones and make legal decisions on the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love her prosper. May there be peace inside your defenses and prosperity inside your fortresses. For the sake of my brothers and my neighbors, I will say, may there be peace in you. For the sake of the temple of the Lord our God, I will pray for you to prosper. And now we fast forward to Acts chapter 22, and we pick it up where we left off last episode, where the Apostle Paul is about to make his defense before the people in Jerusalem who are ready to kill him. And here he is in Jerusalem making his plea for peace. Acts 22. Brothers and fathers, listen to my defense that I now make to you. When they heard that he was addressing them in Aramaic, they became even quieter. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated with strictness under Gamaliel, according to the law of our ancestors, and was zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way, even to the point of death, tying up both men and women and putting them in prison, as both the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. From them I also received letters to the brothers in Damascus, and I was on my way to make arrests there and bring the prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was en route and near Damascus, about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. Then I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? He said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. Those who were with me saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. So I asked, What should I do, Lord? The Lord said to me, Get up and go to Damascus. There you will be told about everything that you have been designated to do. Since I could not see because of the brilliance of that light, I came to Damascus led by the hand of those who were with me. A man named Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and stood beside me and said to me, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And at that very moment, I looked up and saw him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has already chosen you to know his will to see the righteous one, and to hear a command from his mouth, because you will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And what now are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized, 
and have your sins washed away, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord saying to me, Hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. I replied, Lord, they themselves know that I have imprisoned and beat those in various synagogues who believed in you. And when the blood of your witness Stephen was shed, I myself was standing nearby, approving and guarding the cloaks of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, Go, because I send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd was listening to him until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, Away with this man from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And while they were screaming, they were throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust into the air. And the commanding officer ordered Paul to be brought into the barracks. He told them to interrogate Paul by beating him with a lash so that he could find out the reason the crowd was shouting at Paul this way. When they had stretched Paul out for the lash, he said to the centurion standing nearby, Is it legal for you to lash a man who is a Roman citizen without a proper trial? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commanding officer and reported it, saying, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the commanding officer came and asked Paul, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? He replied, Yes. The commanding officer answered, I acquired this citizenship with a large sum of money. But I was even born a citizen, Paul replied. Then those who were about to interrogate him stayed away from him, and the commanding officer was frightened when he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had had him tied up. The next day, because of the commanding officer wanted to know the true reason Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and ordered the chief priests and the whole council to assemble. He then brought Paul down and had him stand before them. And I'm afraid that's where we're going to have to leave Paul, and we'll pick it up in the next episode to see what happens at that time of before the Jewish leaders. But it just reminds us again that Paul is trying to share with these people who are trying to kill him the new peace that he's found, a peace because he's met Jesus, a peace that actually makes an end to war outside of ourselves and even the war within. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, HTTP, netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You are-